Thanks, Wes. Or as he's known on the hard streets of Mid-City Little League, Coach Goach. It's Coach Goach. That's right. Hey, well, for those of you who I haven't met before, my name's Jordan Strebeck. You may notice I'm not Jason. I am not Jason. I don't have the Britney Spears mic, uh, the Garth Brooks mic. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go old school. I think that kind of gives me a little bit of a lisp, you know, like in the, in the speakers. And when the sermon topic is mission, that's not, that's just, it's going to go Daffy Duck real, real quick. So we're going with the old school, old school handheld here. So for those of you who have heard it before, this might sound repetitive, but we want you to hear it again. And for those of you who may be new around here, we, we, we try to emphasize this often, but our aspiration here at Redeemer is to be a gospel-centered, missional family. All right, that's our aspiration. We say that a lot, but I think it's important. It's important that we're clear in how we communicate it, and it's important that we constantly drill it into our hearts and minds that that's what we want to be. Now, do we always live up to it? No, of course not. That's not the goal of an aspiration. We're a church full of people, so as those of you who have been a part of a family before can attest to, we can be highly dysfunctional. In fact, I sometimes like to parenthetically insert just my own little Jordan Strebeck addition to the mission statement that is, we are a gospel-centered missional family full of knuckleheads because I'm part of the gang. So we might as well just admit that and get it out of the way. Now, there's a lot to unpack in that one little statement, but that's one of the reasons that we try to do this every January. So we take a break from going through an expository preaching style and, and come back as a reminder to our body of what we're actually doing here. All right, so Jason has covered the last three weeks, the importance of gospel centrality and of being a family and, and all of the downstream impacts of those two parts of the statement, but asked me to cover the missional component this week. So let's start with the word itself, mission, because as in all things, words matter and what they mean matters. So the word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means ascending or a dispatching. Okay, which is going to like give us a pretty good idea of, of where this thing is going just by the virtue of where that word comes from. We hear it a lot in different contexts, right? You may have heard it in, in a military context, like, you know, the mission, your mission is and mission accomplished and that sort of thing. Or maybe you're just a fan of the, I'm pretty sure it's a documentary series, Mission Impossible, starring Tom Cruise. Who knows? You don't ever know. Is it a good guy? Is it a bad guy? Is it a good guy pretending to be a bad guy? You don't really know because they can put anyone's face on anyone. So it's like it kind of keeps you, keeps you on your toes. I'm a fan of it. I'm a, I'm a fan, in fact, just of any, any action movie. The kind of the cheesier, the cornier, the better. I'm like, you know, Fast and the Furious. I'm like, Vin Diesel's going to, you know, jump a car across the ocean and like land it on a submarine and blow the thing up. I'm like, the better. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm here for it. My wife can't stand it, but I'm like, man, this is awesome. In fact, I think when I was in high school, sometimes I like to pretend that I was in one of those action films, probably a very low budget action film, if we're being honest. And like we would play paintball, we would like we would do all sorts of stuff. In fact, now that I think about it, like we we were very dumb 
uh, I'm not still not going to pass as like the world's most intelligent person, but like thinking back to those days, it's like, okay, we used to play airsoft wars, um, <clears throat> which as I started thinking about telling this story, I was like, oh my goodness, how am I still alive? This is a very, this is, this is amazing. But we would play airsoft wars in our neighborhood. And so we would, these are the things you do in a small town. We would run around like in broad daylight with like masks, ski goggles and stuff on our face with airsoft guns, which in hindsight looked just like real guns. So it's, 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 again, it's alarming that this never escalated into something uh, life-threatening. I actually had some friends of mine in, uh, in Brothers Under Christ, our super cool exclusive Christian fraternity at Texas Tech, that were doing this very thing in a park in Lubbock and got arrested. Like, they got booked in the whole thing. So I consider myself pretty lucky. But one day we were playing, and our mission was at one end of the neighborhood there was going to be, there was a flag and, and one team would kind of hide it, and you had to get, they would get to kind of station themselves throughout the neighborhood, and then the couple people that were trying to get it would have to make it through the neighborhood, and if you shot one of them with an airsoft gun, they were out of the game, and you know, you guys kind of know how these things work. And my brother, one of my older brothers that was in college was back and, and playing with us, so you know, I had to, we really had to win. I, it was important that, that I won. And as I was, as we were kind of stalking around the neighborhood, I'll never forget this. I saw Brent. I saw him jump a fence, and I knew I knew where he was going. I knew exactly he was about to cut through a vacant lot, like a house that was kind of like halfway under construction. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut him off. Well, my grandparents lived in in our same kind of neighborhood that we were doing this, so I was like, I'm gonna jump through Grandma and Granddaddy's backyard and cut him off in the alley. He's never gonna see it coming. Pop, pop. Like, who's, who's the gangster? Me. And so I do that, and I jump the fence, and I'm kind of walking around. I'm walking around the corner of the house, and I hear him. And I'm like, oh, he had the same idea. He must have seen me, and he's going to outflank me. And so me being in my low-grade action film, I'm like, all right, as soon as, I, as soon as he comes around that corner, I'm about to pop him. And I, I whip around the corner, and, I mean, I've never had a more accurate shot in any setting and at any point in my life. The only problem was, instead of shooting my brother Brent, I shot my grandma. Um, and, uh, and to add insult to injury, Brent at that point came around the corner and was like, pop, pop, shot me. Like, while I was like, grandma, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Bam, bam. It's like, this, is, this, this just went from bad to worse. Now, <clears throat> You may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with the sermon on mission? And the answer, honestly, is not a lot. It doesn't. It doesn't have a lot to do with it. But I just thought it was a good story, and it was important that you understand the kind of dude you're dealing with uh, up here. All right? So maybe that's how you think of mission, or, or maybe you think of, like, missions. Like, oh, so-and-so is a missionary. Or, you know, so-and-so, Chase, lived in the mission field in, in Burma. Maybe that's how you think of it. And those are all good and, and, and fair connotations of the word, but I do want us to drill down a little bit as we think about how this impacts our life and, and what it means to be missional. And if we're going to live in a missional manner, we probably need to not define just what the word mission means, but we need to define what our mission actually is. So how would we do that? Well, I think the best thing would be for us to look to Scripture, specifically if we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Some of you may have heard this referred to as the Great Commission. There's that word again, mission. But 
Here, this is Jesus' very last instructions that are recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, which would, would have carried some really special weight. And, and in verse 19, Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That that at the end of the day is, is our mission in a, in a nutshell. And what I love about it is if you zoom out in scripture and you look at the Bible as a whole, that's really what this thing is all about, is that God's name would be made much of in every reach of the earth, to every tongue, every tribe, every nation, that the Lord God, the creator of the universe, would be made famous. And we... Here at Redeemer, that's what we want to be about. We want people to come to know Jesus. We want them to be baptized. We want them to walk with him, not just to say, oh, yeah, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do, but to actually have a relationship with Christ, to actually become disciples. And then as we become disciples, as we grow in our affection for Christ, we will want to tell more people about Jesus, we want to go find the lost and proclaim the gospel of Christ, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected, and we want them to get baptized, and we want them to grow in their discipleship so that they'll go tell their friends, and so on and so forth. It'll go until Jesus comes back. That's what we want here at Redeemer. And the way that we want to walk that out practically is by living as a family that is centered on the gospel, on the good news, and that is on mission together. So if you were to summarize that, and I'm just spitballing here, this is just me being clever, you could almost say that we want to be, I don't know, like a gospel-centered, missional family. I'm just, we'll maybe jot that down. We'll come back. We'll come back to it. So if we've defined what our mission is, Maybe the next question is, what about this word missional? Is it actually a word, or do we just add A-L to the end of things? I'm going to be super intentional about how I'm going to live missional. It's like these we kind of have these Christianese words that we like to throw around. Is it a real word? I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe a little bit made up, but it's okay, because it actually, I think, in its understood meaning in the church, is actually pretty important. It's, it's grown in popularity a lot, especially over the last 25, 30 years, and especially within kind of our circle, the, the kind of the redeemed, reformed, uh, Acts 29-ish type, type circles. Uh, it's been really embraced and, and promoted and used a lot in the lexicon of people like, like Tim Keller that have, that have spearheaded a lot of the sort of formational elements of this. And it really represents at its core this idea of being missional, it really reps, represents a shift or a return to the way that we used to think about ministry. See, I think the church, specifically in the West, specifically over, I don't know, whatever kind of modern era you want to think of. It could be 100 years, could be 150, could be 50, 75, kind of maybe a little nebulous. But I think the church had and, and has still in a lot of ways gotten really, really soft, like charming soft about this. There had been this idea 
and I would add it's a very poisonous idea, but there had been this idea that had kind of seeped into the Western church, this idea that mission work was to be done by the pros, all right? We're going to leave that to the professionals, all right? And we're going to narrowly define missions and the word mission as going and spreading the gospel specifically overseas or in a foreign country. And, you know, we'll like, we'll support full-time missionaries. We'll get, we'll go, we'll outsource that. We'll go find, hey, who wants to raise their hand? Who wants to go be a pro? We'll, we'll, we'll do this with you. We'll support you. You go live over there. You do the work, all right? And maybe they'll come back like once a year, maybe twice. Like we'll have a mission Sunday. That'll be good. They'll come back. They can show us pictures. We'd like that. Yeah, that'd be great. We'd like to feel good. These are the kids that we help. Oh, aren't they so cute? That's so, oh, feels so good. Like this is, these are the things we're doing. This is the friend that we met. Oh, we're, so, we're, we're loving it. We're loving it. Maybe they would even ask us for money. Ooh, we don't like that as much. But like we'll give a little bit. Like if you promise not to email me too much, like we'll, we'll, we'll give, we'll support. Maybe we'll even go on a mission trip. Any of you guys ever go on a mission trip? Raise your hand if you went on a mission trip. You ever build a house in Mexico? I built some houses in Mexico. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with either of those, by the way. Like, it's good to send missionaries and have people that that is like the entire thing that they're doing with their life. It's really good to go build a house in Mexico and give someone that wouldn't have had a roof over their head a roof over their head. But the problem arises for us, church, when we think of that as the end game, as like that's the whole ball game. That's the box. That's the box that missions will live in. And if you, if you zoom out and you think about it, how we approach that, it's a weird, it's a weird way. Like we, we don't approach any other priority in our lives that way at all. Like none of us do, except maybe fitness. I don't know, some of us maybe, maybe approach that. But if you're like, yeah, no, I, I love my wife, very serious about my marriage, it's super important. And that's why at least two times a year, Valentine's Day, birthday, I, I even tell her I love her. Like, hey, honey, today it is your day of birth. I love you. And we can go on, we can go eat food tonight. Um, and we will do that together and we will call it a date. Uh, that would be a pretty absurd. Some of you wives are like, actually, two date nights a year? How do I sign up for this? Like, that's two more than I've, than I've had. By the way, guys, Valentine's Day is next month. So public service announcement. Now you have like several days to prepare the thing. But that's not a very healthy depiction of marriage. Like that marriage wouldn't be very healthy. It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't last. And even if you think about it in respect to the local church, we've kind of done that a little bit. And I'm talking about we the West. It's kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of comfortable going, hey, Jason, like here's the deal. We'll pay your salary. Like we'll take care of that. We'll foot the bill. And then you preach the gospel. You do a good job. We'll show up kind of here and there as it fits our schedule. Oh, I kind of got to go to the lake. So we won't be here for most of July, but like we'll be there now. We got travel ball that 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 month, but we'll be here kind of. We'll, we'll keep you, you do the thing, and we'll just show up when we can. So this idea of the term missional or living missionally is really a repudiation of that incomplete understanding of mission. It's a shift away from 
hey, this is something that we're going to outsource to the pros over here. And it's a reminder, a shift back to the way that the church has approached this for most of its existence, which is to say that we all, you and I, have a role to play in this great commission. And that, in fact, any place we find ourselves is a place that we can and should be on mission. And we've already defined what that mission is, and that should be integrated into every part of our lives. We don't need to put on our mission hat or our ministry hat and do, do our witnessing over here, put on, put on my ministry hat, go read a Foursquare to some strangers outside Walmart, and then come over here, and now I'll put on my, my dad hat, or my work hat, or my coaching Little League hat, or whatever hat you want to wear. No, it's a shift back to saying that our mission needs to be intertwined and woven into the fabric of our everyday lives. And I think the truth is, the reason that this shift to this term missional has actually been really good for the church is that there's no precedent in scripture for living the way that I just talked about how the western church has kind of shifted over the last however many years you just won't find it if you read scripture it's not in there you can look it's not in there in fact just the opposite you can find examples of this all throughout scripture but in John 20 20 Chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Or in Acts 1.8, when Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come, he says that they will then become what? His witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They will be his witnesses. If you looked throughout Acts, you just, you just, you don't see it. You don't see what I just talked about, the way that the Western church has gone. So the shift, this idea of being a missional people, it's a big one. It's an important one. And I love that we emphasize it here at Redeemer because we need to be reminded every day that we're not supposed to outsource this. We're not supposed to outsource our mission to others. We are called as the capital C broader global church to be a part of this mission every single one of us and if we take it out of that mission statement and we just want to be a gospel-centered family guess what we're going to turn into we're all going to be looking inward at each other as part of this family and so i love that we add that we are a gospel-centered missional family because it reminds us that we need to keep things pointed out we need to keep our feet pointed out we need to keep our eyes our minds our hearts pointed out. So what does it look like for us on a practical level for us to pursue the great commission for us to all be a part of this mission, each one of us in our own right? If we're going to make disciples of all nations, what is that actually going to look like? Well, I think the first step inherent, and it's right there in that scripture that we just read, is that we have to go. We have to go. It's a verb. It's, there's an action here. We have to go. I think some of us prefer to view this maybe more as a suggestion, and our idea of ministry might be that we want to live our lives more in a manner suggesting that maybe the best way for us to make disciples is to be ready in case anyone asks us any questions. Like, it just 
maybe in the hopes that someone would go, hey, you go to Redeemer, right? Like, yes, I, some, yes, yes, I do. Like, what time's church start? Ooh. Uh, some of you knuckleheads can't even get that right. You're like, uh, 9.15, I think. It's like, that's why you're always showing up in the third song. Um, but, but that's not how this deal works. This term go is important. We have to go. There has to be forward movement to share the gospel. We have to be, as the great theologian Ariel from The Little Mermaid said, we have to be where the people are, right? We can't be isolated. We can't spend all of our free time playing Xbox or binge watching Netflix or scrolling on Instagram or watching TikTok videos or hanging out on your MySpace page or whatever you're doing with your free time. We have to be out there. We have to be in relationship with people. We have to go. For some of us, the call may be to go to a different physical place. It may well be that for you to be obedient for the call that God has placed on your life, you need to go to Burma or to China or to Canada. You may even have to go to Hobbes. Like, I don't know. The call of God on your life may require that. But for most of us here, just switching our mindset and viewing the office or our kitchen table or the little league field or our neighborhood someplace right here in West Texas as the place that we need to go would be a big win. Like, do you feel that? Like that, that in and of itself would be a big win. What a waste. What a tragedy it would be if we viewed our schools as just a place where our kids go to learn math, maybe. I don't know. I've been helping my second and third grader with math lately. And I'm like, I don't know that this is math. I don't know. I don't know. I thought two plus three did equal five, but this, I don't know. I don't know. I'm obsolete. I had to ask Chad GPT. Um, but what a waste. What a, what, a, what, a, what a horrible missed opportunity it would be if we viewed our jobs as just a place that we went to, to make money to pay the bills. All these places where we spend hours upon hours. Think of all of the hours in your life that you will spend in all these different various areas. I don't know, you fill in the blank with where you spend your time, but those hours for Christians cannot afford to be single purpose. Like, it can't be that I go to work and I'm just an engineer. And that's what I do from eight to five, and then I come home, and then I do this other stuff. Our mission has to be woven into every aspect of our lives. We have to be reminding ourselves daily that Christ did not come to change what you do once a week for an hour or two. No, he came to change every single aspect of our lives and every facet of life is an opportunity for us to go. So that's the first thing, we have to go. The second thing is, if people are going to become disciples of Jesus, first they have to hear about Jesus. They have to actually hear about Jesus. They have to hear the gospel. And just a quick spoiler alert for y'all, if they're going to hear the gospel, this is going to happen by virtue of someone telling them 
It's a mind-blowing, mind-blowing concept. Matter of fact, Paul actually kind of reiterated this to the church in Rome in Romans 10, 14. He said, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom in, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Did y'all catch that? How can they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching? Y'all, we have to go, step one. But step two, we have to actually proclaim the gospel. We have to actually use words. I used to get, oh my goodness, there was a youth pastor that I knew growing up that would wear this wear this quote the heck out. I mean, just absolutely wear it out. Like I think she had it tattooed on her arm. This, this phrase that's been, I think, misattributed if you look at the facts to St. Francis that says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. It's like, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that punchy? Now I get what they're trying to say. It's like we have to live lives that are congruent with what we're saying. Otherwise, it's kind of one of those talk is cheap, like, you know, what, what are you going to do with your, with your life? And I get that. But this idea that what that turns into, honestly, is a cop-out for most of us. We don't want to actually have to use words. We would prefer to just hope, man, if I live my life in a, in a great manner, people would be like, you know, gosh darn it, those people at Redeemer, they're so nice. They're so darn kind. They all act like they're from Minnesota. And, you know, like we should go ask them, that, you know, Reese, why are you so, why are you so doggone nice? You know, oh, oh, well, let me sit down and tell you about Jesus. That's not, again, that's not how this works. I was talking about this with my wife this week in preparation for this sermon, and she was reminding me of her sugar mama stage in our marriage, which was, she, I was still in college, she was graduated when we got married, and we needed health insurance, so she worked at Starbucks uh, as a barista so that we could have health care insurance. And she worked with a lot of people that were not Christians, and one of them was, like, pretty sharp about it. Like, he, he, was, he was, like, a pretty aggressive atheist. You guys ever known, like, a pretty aggressive atheist? They're pretty rare to find in the, in the confines of West Texas. But he was, like, he was, like, pretty punchy about it. And one time he started talking to Brittany, and he said, you know, I know you're a Christian, and, like, I see it in your life, honestly. Like, if every Christian, you know, kind of lived like you, you'd probably have a lot less hypocrisy and like a lot less hurt and, and this would all be a lot better. He's like, but if it really matters to you as much as you say, as like much as I know it should, because I've read the Bible, every atheist, right, has like read the Bible. Like, oh no, I've read it, I know the thing. Um, he's like, how come you never talk about it? Like, how come you never, if, if it really, if you really think that if I don't believe in Jesus, I'm going to hell and then you call me your friend, how come you never like, how come you never pressure me on the thing, you know? How come you never actually like, you know, try to corner me and, and, and walk me through this. It just seems weird to me. And Brittany was like, okay, that was super convicting for her. But I think for all of us, like, you may be sitting here saying, hey, Jordan, listen, I'm not much for preaching. That's, that's not my deal. Like, you do it, Jason does it, but, like, that's not my thing. And that's fine. All right? Listen to what Luke records Jesus saying in Acts that we just talked about, Acts 1.8. He says, you'll be my witnesses. That was, that was the declaration. You will be my witnesses. The job he gave them is to bear testimony about what God had done. Not to work out a clever, well-thought-out, bulletproof rebuttal to every argument that someone might have or every question that might arise. 
or to be the world's most eloquent communicator, but to simply bear witness and proclaim what God has done. But we have to do it. We have to use words. We have to proclaim it. Living with a missional mindset is honestly, guys, it's a lot less about crafting a sermon to deliver to the masses and, and more so about simply us telling those around us what God has done and is doing in our lives just like we would anything else that's important to us. Which brings me, I think, to an important point. If we're going to go and we're going to proclaim, we're going to be on this mission, we really can't ignore our, we, we can't ignore our hearts. We can't ignore our hearts in all this. See, this is not just a command, something that we obey periodically because we want to get a gold star and, and, and feel like we're, we're doing the right thing. No. If you look at Acts, if you look at the early church, this was a movement of people whose lives were radically changed. People who were once dead in their sins and had seen the risen Savior and knew that they would never be the same. And that, that was easy for them to share. I don't mean that it was without cost. It came at great cost, but it was something that was easy for them to share. Their hearts had been changed, and you were going to have to force their heart to stop beating if you wanted them not to talk about it. You ever notice how easy it is to get someone to talk about something that they really, really care about, that they're really, really passionate about? Anyone who's been friends with me for more than like 30 seconds knows that I went to Texas Tech. All right, some of you guys wish that I would talk about it a lot less. Parker's like, yes, if you would never mention it again, I'd love it. I'd love it. But the truth is, it's easy for me to talk about it because I love it and because it changed my life, all right? That's where I met my wife. That's where I met so many of my friends. It's what launched my career. It's where, it's where I met Dusty Thompson and got involved with the Redeemer in, in the first place. Like God had, it played this huge role in our story. So why, why wouldn't I want to share that with others? When something has a profound effect on your life, you want to share it with others. It's, it is part of the way that we are wired, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, or anywhere in the middle. And so if we want to be a missional people, part of this deal has to be that we need our affection for Christ to be nurtured. Our hearts actually have to be changed and they have to be continually growing in affection and in love and enjoyment of God. When that's going on, as we're growing in our joy in him, our enjoyment, our trust, our peace in him, all of a sudden that becomes a little easier to talk about because it's something that's going on in our lives. And as the affection that we have for him deepens, it will become more and more a normal part of the fabric of our everyday life. Now listen, at the end of the day, I think this could seem a little bit overwhelming, right? 
If everything about our life is meant to be lived as part of this mission, that's a lot of places, isn't it? That's a lot of people. It's a lot that we have to get right, a lot that we could mess up, right? It's kind of raising the table stakes. But I would encourage you not to get overwhelmed with that. From an application standpoint, I'd actually say don't be afraid to simplify this quite a bit. Can I find one way? Just this week, can I find one way here or there in the midst of all the things that I'm already doing to seek someone out, to build a relationship, to love on someone, to ask them how I can pray for them, to actually pray for them? Can I carve out some time in my daily routines for some spiritual disciplines? Like, I don't know, maybe try to stir my affections for Christ. Maybe grow in my heart so that it becomes more natural to outflow and share the gospel with others. That, that would be my challenge to us in this, Redeemer. Can we find some simple ways to integrate what God is doing in our lives into our everyday, into the simple, into the seemingly mundane. And maybe, honestly, maybe you don't even think you're there yet. Maybe, maybe you think that that's not even like the stage that you're, you, you, that, that seems far off. Maybe you, in, in that situation, maybe you need to be asking yourself this morning, just the basic kind of question of like, man, does my life reflect anything about this mission? Is there any part of my life that's pointed towards making disciples, towards bearing witness? And if not, like to what is my life bearing witness? It's bearing witness to something or some things. What does that mean for you if Jesus has no, no territory on that map? You fill in the blank. I don't know where you may be this morning, but maybe you need to start there this morning and take a minute and take stock of what's been done and what needs to be done in your heart. And then let's take that and let's go and let's bear witness to what God has done and what God's doing. And let's spread the good news. And in doing so, and we're going to have some time to think and pray on this as Jonathan and the band come up and lead us in response. But as we do that, we will be taking part, you and me, we will be taking part and playing our role in this amazing mission that God has given us. This amazing mission upon which we have been sent, we have been dispatched. And let's do it as a family. Let's do it as a family whose focus is on the goodness of God and the gospel and that that would propel us to be looking outward, to be missional. I think for us, Redeemer, that, that would be the win. Amen. Would y'all pray with me? God, we ask for your presence. Holy Spirit, would you move in our church, in our body? Would you move in Midland? Would you move in West Texas? Would you move to the ends of the earth that your name would be made much of? God, would your name be made much of in our hearts? 
And would that flow naturally into carpool? Would that flow naturally into uh, our everyday conversations with friends, with family? Would we go and would we proclaim that your name would be heard, that disciples would be made, that our hearts would be filled with joy for your glory? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.